0: See, i got all these thoughts in my head
1: i just was right. working out thinking like yeah play this record as frequently as possible
2: for my hello everyone and welcome back to another dev2 review if it's your first time joining us we get together once a week to discuss the top seven articles on dev.2 my name is dan
1: and my name is malik if you enjoy the
2: show please make sure to like, subscribe, rate, I, I don't know. Uh, if if you like our stuff, um, we're at Dan Gallant And
1: at Milkstars on
2: Twitter. On Twitter and Dev2. Yeah. Uh, Malik, how's your week going?
1: Uh, it's going pretty good, you know, Tuesdays are always kind of like, you know, getting back into things, but yeah, how about you?
2: Uh, you know, alright, I'm pretty upset that for some reason it sounds like you're sitting right next to the mic and it sounds like i'm at the other side of a reception hall but yeah. i'm just gonna buy the same mic you have and hopefully at that point we'll have good audio fingers
1: crossed <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, what do you think of the uh, the posts this week
1: oh i thought a lot of them were uh were co- yeah thought provoking that's a good way of putting it um do you want to get into the first one
2: sure you want to introduce it and give our listeners a rundown
1: yes yeah, cool so the first one is why Everyone is Fighting About CSS, UX, and JS by Uli Troyo. So, in this article, Uli does a recap of the whole Twitter debate that was happening on Chris Coyer's essay, The Great Divide, which kind of goes into um, how there's like UX engineers and JavaScript engineers and how they are, there is like this great division in between them of like what one does and what, one, what the other does and how they are basically the same thing. Or, and he kind of like goes into like one side and the other. I'm gonna
2: let you go first. Um, you know, the listeners can't see it, but I I like wrote oh I gosh. wrote like a come to Jesus moment as I was <laughs> reading this um, because I agreed with Uli on a lot. So why don't you know what What did you think? Give me your thoughts.
1: So first off, I thought that uh, Uli did a great job of like recapping this from like a instead of like taking a side, just like realizing how often this conversation comes up and like it's starting to get a little old in my opinion um like i don't know if like as a community we need to continuously be talking about this but it seems to always come up so i'm hoping that maybe this debate is the end of it it's
2: not going to be the end um yeah i mean big ups to uli he a like recapped it very impartially while still being like funny and engaging mm-hmm. um or better yet they maybe i don't know I've, I've i hope someone it's an open source project so what i'd love to see is like a, a a pronoun preference uh put into the default profile because like you know we do this and i and i want to be respectful to everyone totally um but uh uh so um they did a phenomenal job uh but as i was reading this i was like when i read the title i was like i i can't read another one of these like you know and i and i read through the great divide piece and i thought it was you know as uli highlighted like it was descriptive it wasn't prescriptive of like this is the divide between people it was like we interviewed a lot of people we did some research and it seems like there is this division happening and here's kind of like our kind of anthropological and and um uh uh documentarian look at it right mm-hmm. but they highlight contempt culture which i think is a big problem not just in dev culture but in general Of like i'm a you're b i need to validate my own lifestyle and decision making so b must be worse than a um and I, I mean i think that captures it right
1: yeah i think yeah like the fact that it, the front end job landscape is so quote unquote competitive where one person really feels like they need to be better than the other person just so they can get like paid more. I don't know if people like necessarily like think about that all the time, but that's like the like subtle intention behind all of it.
2: Yeah, I don't know that it's competitive because honestly, like I look at most code being put out into the world. Like actually while I was reading this, I was, I was thinking about Alex Russell. He's an engineer on the Chrome team and a mm. talk he did. Um, and, and, and a subsequent, a talk he did about like mobile performance on the web and some subsequent blog posts about like, can you afford JavaScript? And I look at like sites I load on my 2019 MacBook pro on like a pretty fast internet connection. And they take, you know, dozens of seconds to load and I'm like, is this environment competitive? Like, because I don't see it. You know what I yeah. mean? And like, that's not to say, listen, I, I stay on the back end, like it's not really my place to come in and be like, everyone's doing their job wrong, but like, I don't know where it comes from. This stuff could this stuff kind of like the discussion I saw going on online really just made me sad. Yeah. Um we try and like keep it positive, but this this could have been subreddit. Have you ever been on subreddit drama? Uh no. This this would have been a, a great subreddit drama. Subreddit drama is a subreddit Focused on tracking drama in other subreddits and like these <laughs> weird micro cultural like internecine kind of clashes.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Um, I do your point about people like being compet. I don't even think it's competitive so much as it is like almost backbiting. Like, mm. there's more money to be made from from absorbing power from management and other and other professions that like are currently in a lot of places, I think, extracting from developers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more money to be made from learning how to negotiate when you get a job offer than yeah. I think there is from saying, like, oh, you're a UX engineer. You you should make, you know, 10 whatever gold nuggets less. <laughs> uh, and and that way that 10 goes into my pocket. No, that 10 goes back to whoever managed to convince you that it's a good idea to take money. I I don't even know if it's money. I think it's, e- like, I, I don't know. It, it frustrates like. I literally wrote down. Um, Thought leadering is toxic. Unfollow anyone trying to sell you something, even if the product is that person themselves. I'm tired. If if I leave this industry, this will be a driving factor. Mm. Uh, and that's I think Uli did a great job of like narrating, that. Yeah. N- narrating that and capturing that. But like until it sucks that someone did like an interesting kind of interview and like research thing, and what it sparked was just like people. Ranting? I don't know, denigrating each other and like no ranting is good i'm ranting right now <laughs> um but like it sparked people like devaluing each other you know oh yeah, yeah yeah um but i don't i mean like again contempt culture it is it is like intoxicating right like i'm mm-hmm. glad he called that out because i was just like oh the whole web sucks right now like it's not a competitive market like that is me being part of the problem right
1: yeah um there was a, like a part that he mentioned about or they mentioned about how like big companies have all of the power in terms of making these super accessible or people first like websites where it kind of force thinks about like accessibility and performance where everybody else like kind of falls off to the wayside. Um, what do you think about that?
2: I don't know that that's the point he was making. I think big companies have the resources to invest in tools that allow them to solve organizational problems and cause technical and performance and accessibility problems. Your, your framework isn't helping you solve that many technical problems so much as it's, like, giving you a single way of doing something across hundreds of people, right? Mm-hmm. And keeping everyone moving. Um, it, it reminds me of that thing they say about microservices, where microservices solve organizational problems. They cause technical problems, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, like, I think Alex Russell, uh, again, I'll plug his stuff Uh, i think his blog is infrequently noted um talks about this you know pretty like on the nose of like the big companies are the ones creating a lot of the time subpar experiences in exchange for still being able to ship quickly yeah small shops don't have a problem shipping quickly and so they i think if they care about those kind of quality factors those kinds of uh informal requirements or non-functional requirements mm-hmm. then they're doing them mm. um i read a really great blog from 2015 uh, blog post about like facebook having a quality problem um mm. like they have like 1300 classes in their ios app and oh my god um and like you make trade-offs about like good performance and not shipping hundreds of megabytes like uh in order to still be able to do releases right yeah um I think Charity Majors, uh, on their most recent podcast, um, OllieCast, talked about how like a request to the Facebook homepage triggers, I think, like thousands of events? Um, like, a single oh, request? It might have been high hundreds, but, like, even a couple hundred events like being driven off one request to, like, the news feed is insane. insane. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the trade-off you make in order to ship. I don't know. It's a conversation of, like, you said you're getting tired of it. I feel like I've been tired of it.
1: Yeah, um, but, I'm, start, I'm starting to feel the fatigue at least. But I would
2: love to see, and I mean, I hope this like this bummerness isn't rubbing off on Uli if they're listening, because I would love to see another one of these recaps about yeah. something I'm less tired about. Um, okay, so that was a that was a long little discussion we had. Uh, you want to introduce our next one?
1: Yeah. So our next one is APIs you didn't know you need by Mikhail. In this article, Mikhail Mikhail highlights the exceedingly like growing list of softwares that are coming out as a service, and lists a bunch of like funny ones that he found on the internet. And a lot of them I've, like, actually used before. There was a couple of, like, generators that were on that list that I was like, ooh, I need to look into that. Because I know, personally, in my uh, my small projects, I use, like, PlaceKitten and stuff like that for, like, little websites and stuff. So I thought it was cool that you shared a bunch of those.
2: Yeah, I, I've definitely used PlaceKitten before. Um, I, I liked uh, all caps as a service. Uh, one <laughs> of my colleagues constantly, like makes fun of me for like sometimes if i'm like i'm editing bash scripts and i put out a log message i put it in all caps if it's like if i think it's like an important thing to note and he's like why are we yelling (laughs) and i'm like it's a bash script you have to yell that's the rule i don't make the rules (laughs) um uh fuck off as a service um uh mentioned elsewhere i've never used it i thought the uh i thought the donald trump facts was a funny one yeah i don't know this this was a nice palette cleanser from the last topic
1: oh totally yeah i mean i thought that the the like the one that was like yes or no uh decision like i think it was like yes no wt wtf or something like that and it was just like you make a call to it and it will either get, turn you yes or no but on every once in the occasion it will give you a a, a maybe which is, right. you know, great. Oh, I just, yeah,
2: sorry. I'm, I'm just scrolling through this again. My favorite one was dev null as a service. Mm. Um, I just thought that was funny and clever. I wonder what it actually, I should click through it. I wonder if it, like, actually saves uh, um, what, you're, what you're sending it. I had something. Oh, there's this thing I've wanted to do forever. It's in my, like, list of projects I want to do called Not Vin Diesel. <laughs> um, what? which is just a list of every movie that's ever come out that has not had Vin Diesel uh, participating as a writer director or actor uh, or I don't know a musician or something oh man um, <laughs> I just thought it was like just literally give me the entire IMDB database minus Vin Diesel Thought it would be funny. That would be funny. Uh, <laughs> these are the kinds of stupid ideas I have. You want to introduce our next one?
1: So, our next post is CSS from Zero the Hero by ali Spittle. You know, the returning champ. Actually, <laughs> the champ. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, stole the champ.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't seen our interview with ali you should definitely go check it out. Good it's plug up these. on our nice SoundCloud. Plug. We have to, dude. Yeah. It was a great conversation.
2: It actually was. We should do another one of those. I know you've been working on something, but. Uh we should uh, definitely fast track that. we yeah, have a little bit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in the works. Yeah. Um so you want to give the listeners a rundown? Yeah,
1: so so in this article Ali does like a summary of the basics of CSS, uh kind of goes into some more like slightly advanced topics like animation and media queries. Basically everything that when I was like teaching at this computer camp everything that you would teach in the beginning of it. And I was like, wow, you really did just sum this all up in one post. Kudos to you.
2: Yeah, I think that was like the top comment was like, you just did everything that we go over in class in one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like uh, good intro. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for the, for the sake of keeping it fresh, I'm not going to rehash every single compliment we've ever given Allie. <laughs> um, uh, still the champ, always the champ. What I was kind of, like, I was reading this and I was like, what is the interesting take here, right? Yeah. And I think it's amazing, like, you know, we talked to Allie, you know, a lot off the mic too, and she, she puts a lot of care and a lot of time into all of her posts to a level that I've never done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is amazing, like, putting that aside, it's amazing the quality and, like, richness of the learning tools available. I remember, like, when I first, you know... I don't like to say I've been coding for however many years because it's a dumb metric. But, like, when I was first, like, playing around with HTML and CSS, like, you had, like, W3 schools and that Mm -hmm. was it. And, like, you had to load a separate page and, like, reload it to get it to re-render, right? Yeah. And you had, I forgot what we used for hosting, but, like, yeah, I I mean, like, it was not, you know, you couldn't, like... You know, have a code snippet and side by side embedded in a blog post on a different platform, mm-hmm. like an animation moving, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, it's we've come a long way, and I think that's that's really amazing. But there's still room. Like I think tools like Glitch mm-hmm. are really going to change this. I think making this accessible on mobile is the next frontier.
1: Oh, to like be able to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I was talking about about Alex Russell's stuff mm-hmm. um, and the divide between in in the in the kind of discussion that Uli talked about the divide between the rich and the and the rest of us right is like is it accessible on mobile right like if you're serving a site that is only that only loads in a reasonable amount of time on a perfect connection on a 2019 MacBook Pro yep. and that does matter right because yeah. heat sinking in mobile devices again go watch these Alex Russell talks and blog posts like he talks about uh, the throttling that happens on CPUs like if you're not making these accessibility tools for education work on a $50 Android phone, mm-hmm. then you're not serving everyone equally. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. I mean, that made me feel really nice. Like I'm, I'm glad that we've come a long way. I don't know what did, like what were your thoughts on the post itself? I know this was kind of like a meta point.
1: Uh, I just love that every time I I've said this before, but every time we go through a, uh, I read one of Allie's posts. I always learn something new. So this time in Allie's post, I learned that the in the like hex code of the numbers, I didn't realize that each two of the characters were like like hexadecimals that represented some number from zero to two fifty five, right. and that's how it calculated into RGB. I right, just, right, right. I had yeah, it's, no it's
2: idea. B then G then R. Yeah, or R and then G, R, R. Yeah. yeah. If you're, I, if you're going in the normal direction, normal direction of read <laughs> that you would read in hexadecimal.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I I had no idea about that, and just seeing it in the way that she had presented it, I was just like, "Oh, I would, I, I just never played right. for it's, me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a
2: lot more clear when you're doing something like HSL, and it's just like an array. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, and then something else that she didn't mention, but I thought it would be cool for people to know was that, um, for if you're like a beginner to CSS, there are these things called um like uh, custom CSS variables that are now in like the browser and like available that you can use. So basically you can set like something under the root pseudo selector and then you can add these variables. And then instead of trying to reference a specific hash code and having to remember that the whole time, which is like the bane of my existence when I was first starting CSS, right? You could do brand. Yeah. Red. You could just say brand. Exactly. Yeah. Something like that. So
2: that's actually, so in our discussion last week when we talked about like just setting core like colors mm-hmm. that's what i do yeah um i mean i use sass so it yeah. doesn't have to be part of the um it doesn't actually have to be part of the browser or css but yeah yeah it is nice that that's available if you want no build step right yeah like, because again that is an educate like no build step is an educational tool yeah right being able to like just ship something and see it reflected is uh an educational accessibility tool or whatever absolutely um, do you want to introduce our next one
1: so our next post is What's the Difference Between a Senior and Lead Developer by James Hickey? So in this article, James highlights the difference between senior developers and lead developers, touching on traits like knowledge, communication skills, and like the overall like goal of the position. Yeah, go go. Okay. Oh, hey, yeah,
2: I'm I I am gonna have a lot of thoughts.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I totally thought more my Constant thought of like what a senior developer is versus a lead is like a senior is just someone that if you give them a task, they can go and like complete it to fruition with little to no help and they'll return it back and it'll be done with like good quality. That's what like that was kind of like my idea of what a senior developer is. Can I
2: press you on that for a second? Yeah. Before we we go on. Um, Do you think if you were given a task in in the vacuum um, to do like if I was like build me this service, you wouldn't be able to do it? Or some, some like someone fresh out of a boot camp or school wouldn't be able to do it.
1: I th- Oh yeah, I guess. So yeah, they the I probably would. would I would be give if time wasn't. A and, factor. and what is yeah. quality, right? Because quality mm-hmm. is
2: like a moving target, right? Yeah. Um. You know, every I look at some of the like I look at some of the comments I get now, and I look at some of the comments I got. You know, years ago, or even peers that are coming up. You know, like junior peers, right? the comments are different right like Mm -hmm. quality is a moving target what's expected of you as you like skill up is different yeah work that it's acceptable to merge coming from like someone who's new um will be i don't want to say of a lower quality but like you're not going to give them the biggest most mission critical thing and expect it to go super well and with not a lot of help yeah and like and and make the same sort of critique because like their toolkit is smaller, their experience is less, and it would be unfair, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Um so I I I see where that standpoint comes from, and like to some level I, I agree with it. Mm-hmm. I think like when you are when you have no one else to ask questions and, and everyone is instead coming to you. I don't know if you're a senior developer, but you are the senior developer. Right? That's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know like I have friends, you know, it's it's a common time to be starting new jobs. And I have friends being like, I don't know, I feel like I'm bad at this. Like I'm in this new office and I can't do it. Like I'm not productive. And I'm like, dude, it's your first new job in years. Mm-hmm. You're in the hard part. Like, yeah. Once you cross the first six months, that's the, or like the first three months, depending on like the environment, like you now know how to do that job and that's easy. You know what I mean? And and the rest becomes like people like you, you're not like taking a step back on your skill tree. You're just in a new environment, right? Mm -hmm. It's like being like an expert skier or something and then going somewhere else. And there's no ski or an expert snowboarder. And then you go to the beach and you're like, surfboarding is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't mean you're a worse ski snowboarder Snowboarder because Um, of it. Yeah. That being said, I do recognize one mark of seniority and, I'll reference it again. You know, charity majors is the, the, the (laughs) only, the only person I consistently agree with. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She's amazing. Um, I think like ignore any title anyone else gives you, you are senior when you've, when you've got 10 years, you know what I mean? Like Mm. it, and, and the years matter. Like I was having a debate with a coworker that like, are, is one year equivalent to another year for different people? No, I don't think so. But well, like, years a year, yeah. I mean, that's like that's who I go to is like those people. Mm. Um, what else? What What else did you think I've been rambling?
1: Uh, so like another thing that I w- that James talked about was how like a lead de- developer like differentiated from a senior developer, where te- usually a lead developer kind of well, not usually most of the time they communicate between the team to other teams inside of the organization about like what their team is doing and they kind of like plan like a roadmap of whatever feature or thing they're trying to ship out at that moment in time and that's kind of like a different almost like a different skill set than someone is a senior like you said who has all of the answers where a lead might not have all the answers and might need to like reference either the senior or like somebody on another team.
2: I would agree with that characterization more. Than I think what I read, mm-hmm. which was that like oh leads like communicate on behalf to to the outside, and I don't think even it, it was like communicate on behalf. It was like they communicate for the team. you yeah. know what I mean, and I think that that is like I often hear that like engineers need to learn how to communicate, and I'm like communication is the most basic. Like it's an important skill, and we don't value it enough. But the idea that someone comes out of school or a boot camp and doesn't know how to communicate is like. Absurd to me, right? We've yeah. been doing it longer than we've been doing anything else. Now, what you communicate and how you communicate it is like a different story, and like audience responsiveness is a different story. But like, I don't know. I this is another topic where like I could talk for days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. Suffice it to say that like, um, I think whenever someone writes something like this, uh, it's purely based off their own experience, mm-hmm. and so I think it runs up against the incentives that we have in the style of writing people choose on the internet which is like things are x you know what i mean yeah. this is the state of the world and my first response is like that's not the state of the world that's uh selection bias right mm. um so i don't know that i agree yeah um, but you know it was an interesting t- like i think it starts an interesting discussion yeah um and i think like we need to less let, like, other people dictate, like, what we call ourselves and what we think of our role, right? Like, communication is everyone's job. Yeah. Planning is everyone's job. And everyone should be welcome in that process, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. of course, some people don't have the experience to see when, like, they're about to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And the people I've valued when I've been that person about to make a mistake are the people who are, like, hold on. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that, like, those people, like, that I shouldn't get a seat at the table when I was in those shoes. Oh, totally, yeah. I don't know, I'm rambling, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, so like another... Tendency.
1: Yeah, no, no, like this, this article like really led me to think of like a lot of stuff and one of the questions that I thought about is like, does a developer have to be senior in order to be a lead?
2: Again, I don't, like, I can't, like, that's an interesting question. I think a better framing is, does a developer have to be senior in order to be a leader? Hmm. And I hate the way we've like, uh commodified like leadership training and like be a leader in whatever role you're in right like sometimes like being a good co-worker is knowing when to just like listen to someone else and do what they ask you to do yeah um and like understand that they have everyone's best interest at heart hopefully mm-hmm. um does it do you have to be a senior to be like i don't know i don't care <laughs> like,
1: it just depends on the person
2: it's it's a word that someone else calls you gotcha if you negotiate that like not negotiate or like if you set the terms that like your title is lead developer Mm -hmm. that does not mean anything in any other organization other than your own. Yeah. Now if you talk about like what your role and responsibilities are like and they're fuzzy abstractions right like they they kind of map somewhere right but like I like to think that like I don't know I don't like to think anything (laughs) (laughs) this topic like um, again it's one of those topics where I'm just like I there's too many people I think speaking authoritatively on something that like because we're a young field, doesn't have a clear answer. Sure. Um, And I think there's, like, the thing we need to come to terms with is that there is no, like, the stuff we do is easy because there are clear answers. Something is true, false, or no, right? Like, you go to other roles, right, and you see, like, one senior whatever, one account executive's job doesn't look like another account executive's job. And no one's like, well, that person should be called, like, a technical account executive. You know what I mean? And there are technical accounts that person should be called a senior account executive and
1: that person should be
2: called a lead. No,
1: like jobs differ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. In that case, do you want to go on to the next post then? Please. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, Kyle uh, Kyle Galbraith is, is our next author with uh, how to break through the old monolith using the strangler pattern. Uh, Kyle is one of my favorite people on this platform. Uh, everyone should go check out parlor.io, his uh, side project, which I always mix this up. It transcribes uh audio into text mm-hmm. um for no it's the other way around it does
1: text into audio
2: yeah it does text into audio as a service uh, i know because if it did audio into text we would be using it to do transcriptions for our episodes yes um,
1: <laughs> oh that's true
2: but i think he provides like he, he plugs a hole and i invite other people on the platform to start writing on the same subject if there's not a ton of ops writing um and he he plugs a very valuable hole um while also just putting out like really consistently and quality stuff absolutely um so in this post he talks about taking a craggy old monolith that's using something like and i found this funny i think he said like dot net and I was yeah. like my first job was in a dot net shop and I'm, like <laughs> i'm not an old guy you know yeah but like okay so you have like a um you have like a a service written in I don't know. I, I can't think of anything old. You have a C monolith, um, and you don't need a C monolith, and so you want to break it out into something else or rewrite it in some way. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the Strangler pattern, which is a uh, really scary name for essentially just enveloping or guarding that existing monolith and slowly decomposing it. Yeah. Right? Um, lots of great graphs. You should go check out the post, Malik. What were your thoughts?
1: Uh, I thought. I mean, I think the strangler pattern is a great way to approaching like like you said decomposing a monolith into like little i don't want to say microservices because they don't have to be microservices but like i've had to do this at both of my previous jobs and one way was through he had lists in the post he lists like three different ways that you could approach um like redoing or refactoring a monolith one is like completely throwing it away and just writing it new which is you know the most expensive option there's this way which is like like extracting out one piece at a time and then the the third part was like taking out that one part and trying to refactor it then and try and tie it back in which can be kind of confusing and this pattern that he mentioned was the easiest by far like which which
2: two ways did you do it
1: uh so the first way that i did it was we Tried to just throw. We threw away the old monolith and just tried to rewrite everything. And we just left it. If there are bugs, we let there be bugs. And we're just like, we'll address it in the new platform. Um, and that was a lot because there's a lot of scope creep. There's a lot of like features that you know you forget that existed that are like deep into the deep into the code that you just forget about, and then you know stuff goes missing and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to mention that, like... So, so essentially, what you're doing here um, is putting up a, a gateway to your existing monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, writing a service that recreates one service or or functionality of that monolith. Trying to pick what gets called by the fewest amount of things and what calls the fewest... Whatever's, like, already most loosely coupled in yeah. the system. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, attaching the existing internals of your existing service to the new outside service through back through the bouncer right yeah um and then turning it on and, and slowly deprecating the existing kind of internal you know uh um, if you have the new service which is a prime slowly turning off a yeah. right what's interesting is this is the exact approach advocated for at this um there's a really great meetup here in new york if you're not familiar um called Uh, um, microservices NYC Mm -hmm. I went to like a multi like breakout group thing that they did um, and one of the things I went to was decomposing brownfield applications into microservices Hmm. um, which is just a really complicated way of saying uh, taking something that is in production and not a new project and um, turning it into microservices and the advocated for kind of approach was take NGINX put it over your existing monolith. This is the bouncer that Kyle talks about in his post. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then slowly start serving one tiny piece of your existing application. Uh, Joe Emerson, the guy leading the round table, um, was saying something like serving your footer Mm -hmm. um, out of this new service that's just your footer service now. And like, it's kind of absurd, but you're just serving that and Nginx is routing your request, right? Yeah. I mean, there are literally, like I worked very briefly for a company essentially that was its business model it was like like enveloping something old and crusty and slow and then like peeling out parts of it you know
1: yeah um and one thing that like Kyle mentioned in this post that's like a great benefit of this pattern is that you get to incrementally roll like these things out. So if you try and recreate the service and you realize something's not working right or something's missing, you can like roll back traffic so that it's like you let's say you roll out to 20% and increase by 10% every day until it's at 100, let's say. I Maybe mean, that's a really slow rollout, but uh let's say you do that. Um you're able to see like if things break along the way and then you can like kind of adjust versus if you're Redoing your whole platform, you're not gonna re-roll out, roll out your whole platform or like a complete remake to like twenty percent of music. Oh yeah, That's you just like have insane. a hard cut over. Like, yeah, I really think
2: like the next, not the next, but what should be the next thing after code boot camps is software development lifecycle like courses. Yeah, um, those are some of the most uh valuable classes I took in college, and like we talk about deployment plans and like release plans and things like that, and those are skills that I think. Um, with like the rise of capital a agile we've kind of just like thrown out the window and slowly are rediscovering but yeah like i mean this is like a kind of not no dub but like this is like kind of a, a a very obvious thing that you should be doing yeah totally. um, if you're thinking for that model yeah so uh what's our next one Malik?
1: oh uh, so our next one is three arguments for why you should write more by Marek zaluski so in this, uh, so in this article, Merrick uh, provides three arguments for why people should write more, segmenting uh, people into three different groups: competitors, collaborators, and introverts. And I thought that was a really interesting way to approach like encouraging people to write more, because I know like I once I saw like which group that I resonated more, I felt like more compelled to like create something. I'm like, oh yeah, that's so true. Maybe I really should go and do that. Interesting. Um,
2: I thought it was an interesting lens. I think any time something like advocates for you to like, are you the kind of person who like... Like uh, Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this with some friends. This probably will get me in trouble with like a certain category of people. But if someone talks to me about Myers-Briggs, like that's automatically minus two points. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, because like anything that tells you like... They're like, are you... Like, you know those like ads you get on Facebook that are like, uh, this is a shirt for like don't mess with someone named jeff born in february have you seen those like algorithmically li- yeah they're like targeted ads of like they pick up like your birthday and like oh, your wow. your sign and like where you live and then they make like oddly specific shirts that's you've never crazy. seen that no i it's don't go on like, facebook much but that's crazy yeah it's kind of like that where like it's like are you the artsy silent type and you like romanticize that you know archetype and you're like i am the artsy silent type oh man um and i'm just like i don't care about this stuff <laughs> i thought it was an interesting way to convince three different kinds of people who are resistant to the concept that like writing is important mm-hmm. that it is right yeah so, I, I didn't see myself in any of them just oh because, i was like
1: dang that was my question <laughs> uh, no yeah. um
2: i mean like was there one that was like obstinate cantankerous like jerk <laughs> um uh, who's just crabby, I guess, today. I don't know. I feel like I'm being really negative. What do you think the biggest benefit of staying sharp on your writing skills is?
1: Uh, I think you just learn to communicate better. Like, at least me personally, um, from writing, from doing this show, from just, like, everything, like, the note-taking, the organization, like, it's just helped me communicate better at my job and with, like, my peers. So, definitely writing will improve, like, how well you communicate, which is, like, you know, important
2: interesting interesting I think writing is a muscle communication is a muscle mm-hmm. If you've ever spent two three days traveling alone not saying a word to anyone or working alone not like you know texting anyone or whatever mm-hmm. you, you realize very quickly that like someone says something to you and it's like a shock to your system right like external yeah. stimulus is like what well, you know um I do think that like doing different kinds of writing and speaking is valuable to being put in those situations unexpectedly again. Right. Like, yeah. I think doing this probably means that when I get interviewed for Billy on the street um, or another on the street type camera show, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready to do my perfect uh, not doing us. I don't know. Um, I think writing for me has always been cathartic and I, and I loved writing and reading before I loved programming. Mm-hmm. And I think the longer that I don't do those things regularly, the worse I get at it. Hmm. Social skills are a muscle, right?
1: Yeah, totally. The more um, you use them, the better you'll get. And
2: it's like a vicious cycle because the worse you get at it, it's it, it's literally like a muscle where yeah. like the worse you get at it, the more painful it is to start again, right? Like, yeah. Um, have you spent a lot of time where you just didn't communicate with anyone else, written or verbally, for a long like for an extended period of time?
1: Um. Yeah, I'd say like my like my freshman year of college when I like moved to a completely new state and knew nobody didn't really know much about my major either wasn't really a fan of it and I kind of just alienated myself a little bit uh yeah that was like I spent like there were multiple times where I spent like multiple days just not talking to anybody
2: what did that kind of engender in you
1: um it kind of made me at the time it made me more just anxious about everything like for every situation like when people come and talk to me or what people would like make like jokes or stuff i would just kind of just be like you know mildly uncomfortable with the whole situation yeah like you don't know
2: how much is okay to laugh yeah and then you take that and you apply that to like writing right so Mm -hmm. he, you know he's advocating for writing blog posts but like if you're not constantly communicating with coworkers or you don't do it for an extended period of time you get that kind of thing where like someone sends you a joke over i am and you're like uh uh is it appropriate to laugh like what do i like what do i say that's not weird right like yeah I don't know. Do you get that or
1: no? No, I I have done that, and like, and then there's those times where it's just like it's really not funny, but it's like you kind of feel like you have to laugh because you know they told the joke and it'd be weird right. to not laugh. So you just send LMAO with three O's and then just kind of move on with your day.
2: I did like the thing Merrick advocated for, which is uh, Seth Godin's thing. I think hmm. uh, he said, uh, which was uh, right like you talk. I'm a big right like you talker. You mm-hmm. know, because um, I think like. I mean, it's a form of self-expression. I find it much easier to write when I'm like passionate about something, or, or even better, like kind of like angry about something than I yeah. do when like I'm just kind of disinterested. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it much easier to speak on a subject when I'm kind of like, you know, no, passionate, I'm just
1: passionate about it. No, yeah, totally. Something that I learned like in the course that I took about like uh, like communication and writing is just to be like overcommunicated over communicative at first and kind of just getting all of your and he uh talks about that in the post like just getting all of your thoughts out there because there's less of a chance of there being a misunderstanding when everything's out there than if you just kind of try and put the high, what you think are the highlights of what you're trying to say
2: I see that point. I see how it could backfire. Because I think, like, particularly... Well, in writing, actually, I I think it's much safer. I think in verbal communication or in something that's, like, synchronous, like, slacking someone, if you're just sending every single kind of thing you're thinking, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of noise to be lost in. Whereas, like, in a process where you're editing down, better to capture a thought than to... I find it much easier to write on a laptop because my words per minute is faster, and I can just, like, get every thought out there. Yeah, totally. Um, Do you want to introduce highlight high point of this week uh, and our and our final article
1: yeah so the, um, our, post. our last post is retired apparently by burdette lamar so burdette for anybody who doesn't know is turning 76 this next week which is incredible because he's still contributing to open source software to this day i love coding and i don't know if i could be that committed to like still doing open source software when i'm 76 but i guess that like really does show like nobody can force you to retire right especially in software you could just work from home (laughs)
2: yeah yeah i mean i'd like to think that i'll be able to be doing what i love you know at whatever age i think at some point my priorities might change uh but i think the fact that like I don't know, I respect I respect. Like I I I have a lot of respect for Burdett. Like um I'm sure he's seen things that, you know, I'll probably never see. Uh and I think like we should value that richness of experience cuz I do think that like at a certain point, um your ability to do this job is a function on some level of like having seen some shit. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. This post made me feel good. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm sometimes I get frustrated with the industry and it it kind of brought me back to the far view of like we've gone through these cycles before. People were like writing to writing to like floppy disks and tapes and whatever and like whatever minuscule kind of like bickering we have or like shifts, they're important, but like it's still a people industry, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what would you, let's say you had an extra 20 years under your belt. Mm -hmm. What obviously like technology and like where you'd like to be working is kind of a hard guess, but like, what is your key outcome?
1: My key outcome in the next twenty years, is that whoever in this
2: per- particular field? Assuming, in this particular yeah, field, assuming you stay in this particular field. So,
1: assuming that I you stay... can't
2: you can't say something like "be happy." Like, Be no, happy. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy. Yeah, we we've been talking a lot about easy answers, right? Yeah. So I'm not letting you take the easy answer. You know.
1: Okay. So, like, I, in terms of like this industry, I. Well. Hmm. I personally don't see myself being in this industry twenty years from now. I could see myself doing something completely different, like whether probably something more creatively focused, like whether it's like music or art related or video of some sort. And I want to be able to, I guess, communicate. what or like Whatever I'm doing, I just want to be able to communicate or do something that allows me to share somebody's passion. It doesn't have to be mine, but allows them to like, share somebody's passion and put it out to the world into a way that's cohesive and compelling and interesting to others.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think like, so that highlights kind of the reason I feel a lot of like respect and deference for people who've been doing this for so long, because like I pride myself on being the kind of person who can get excited about just about anything. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've seen me start talking to like complete strangers about their work and i'm like oh yeah like blood delivery in third world countries like i know something about that like this (laughs) is so interesting this is like i can talk about like anything and get excited right i think doing like being in a particular field for for like decades is like a manifestation of that of like you know being able to get excited about like technical problems right and the industry shifts and you start seeing new problems and you're amazed with like new kind of Uh, opportunities that we have but like i can't think about like i guess i can't think at those time scales um so i it's hard to yeah Yeah. it's hard and and uh i'm just impressed like sticking to something for that long is is impressive
1: to me yeah um talk about a streak yay (laughs) (laughs) um
2: yeah and contributing to open source you know after you know 40 years like still kind of doing it in your free time is like that's amazing. I, yeah. I don't know. Nothing but respect. This this was very like uplifting yeah. um, you know. Uh, on you know, at the end of a of, of a discussion where I guess I'm feeling a little ornery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it calmed me down a little. Um I don't know. Any other thoughts?
1: Uh no, that was pretty much it. Cool, cool.
2: Um well, another great week. Um uh, you know, I'll say for myself. I know I know I had some strong opinions, but they all come from a place of respecting that people put out their work and thinking that you know everyone did a great job um hope everyone enjoyed we'd love to get your thoughts we're going to drop an email link in the episode description uh and as always feel free to comment um we try to get back to everyone or at least drop a like if you get a like that means we appreciate it we we see it we're just like doing something else (laughs) yeah (laughs) or don't want to forget about it um Again, you know, if you enjoy this kind of stuff, uh, make sure to follow us both on uh, Dev2 and Twitter at Dan DanGalant.
1: And at MilkStars.
2: And uh, I guess people tend to talk about like iTunes reviews. I don't know. I'm not taking this that seriously quite yet. <laughs> um, but And I hate asking people for stuff, but definitely do it. Um, if no, but wanna, if
1: you if you have some time, you should, yeah, uh, leave, definitely. You should definitely leave <laughs> a review. Because, <laughs> you know, like definitely if, don't please, not do yeah, that. don't not do that, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
2: um, but you know, if you want to share it with a friend, I know we've been like slowly getting more and more, and not that slowly, pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, more and more people have been listening, and we've been hearing from more people, but. Just show it to a friend because it's really uncomfortable for us to show it to our friends.
1: Oh, yeah, because they're like, wow, you're really really doing this. I'm like, you think a lot of yourself. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I love to
2: hear the sound of my own voice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually out now. Bye.
1: Take care, everybody. See ya.